Hello, and welcome to the Breaking Over the Anxiety podcast. I am your host, the anxiety nutritionist, gut and hormonal health expert, yoga and meditation teacher, and cat mom, Taylor Jandro. And this podcast is designed to show you how to relieve and resolve your anxiety disorder through the powerful combination of food, lifestyle changes, targeted supplementation, gut and hormonal health optimization, nervous system regulation, yoga, meditation, mindset, lifestyle coaching, and more. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast. I'm so excited for today's conversation. I have my brain is just exploding with questions for our amazing guests today. And I was telling Brianne in the pre-chat that um, I, it, I, I have well over an hour's worth of conversational topics and I'm going to try to reel myself in and prioritize my questions and see where the conversation goes. But Brianne is the creator of the Confident Formula and the founder of the Confident Mindset Accelerator. Her mission is to help women heal their internal struggles, let go of their past, and gain unshakable self-confidence. From traveling the world to being super broke and working multiple jobs, can totally relate to that. <laughs> she finally saved up five grand cash to complete her yoga teacher training certification, and since then, her life changed forever can also relate to that. <laughs> She's currently certified in NLP, EFT, hypnosis, and life and success coaching to further equip her in leading communities and holding space for women and their self-development journey. All things that um, we can, oh, I'm just like, uh, my brain is like glitching. Like literally, I'm like, I cannot wait to have these conversations with you. So I'm going to kick it over to you, introduce yourself, you know, the Coles notes of how you got here. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. I had Taylor on my podcast and I really loved our conversation with doing podcasting in so many interviews. Like you just know when you like immediately hit it off with someone and you can chat yeah. forever. And I very much felt like that when you were on my podcast. So I'm very excited for today's conversation. So as she said, my name is Brian Burke. I'm a mindset and confidence coach, particularly for millennial women, give or take like a few years on each end of that demographic. So okay, wait, question. Mm -hmm. What age group is that? <laughs> to me, I okay. never get this. I never get this. Like Gen Z, I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay, I would say, and this probably isn't accurate, like I just base it off a majority of my listeners, yes. which would be probably about 26, 27 to like almost 45. Okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think is millennial. And it's hilarious if that's not the age like demographic. And then I've just been saying that, but that's what I think. <laughs> Works for me. Yeah. Um, so I can, yeah, I can definitely give you some Coles notes about my journey. It's a little bit long-winded. I know you kind of briefly explained it in the upfront in the intro, Taylor. But so dating back in about 20... 17. No. Okay. Let's date it back further. That Okay. Let's bring it back to university. When I was born. When I was born. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I bring it back to university, this was like 2015 era. Um, I ultimately was 
at a local school, I kind of stayed in my like hometown and I went to my local university, which allowed me to like, I bought a car and I started, I was working not full-time, but part-time. And I kind of was living an extended high school life. I was like very unhappy in university. I initially went into their con ed program because it was well, really well known for that. And for those of you that don't know what that is, that's ultimately like the teaching program. Cause I, I was like, I want to be a teacher. They get summers off. It's a great job. Everybody's super happy. It's legit. That sounds fantastic. I'm into the program. And it's funny because a lot of my friends are teachers and it's a fantastic, fantastic career. But I started to feel like this was not the right path for me. I didn't know what the right path for me was, but I'm just like, this isn't it. Like it seems I didn't like the feeling of having a ceiling, even if I didn't even reach the peak of that ceiling. But I didn't like the idea of that. Now, I've spoken about this a million times and we'll get into this later on. I still at this point had no in, I wouldn't say necessarily interest, but even idea of what like entrepreneurship was like I did, that wasn't courses I was taking. I feel like now with, again, the younger demographic, that's something that's like very pushed and encouraged, which is fantastic to create something of your own and make it sustainable and be creative. Like that wasn't, I would say the norm whatsoever, like wasn't ever talked about, wasn't taught anything like that. So I switched programs, I kind of trotted along my way. I just like worked in stuff. And then I finally decided that I was like really missing out. I wanted to go and experience like this traditional university like life. And so that kind of led me to going on exchange. And I went to study in Europe, particularly Sweden. I didn't know anyone in the country, let alone like the continent. Now, again, I feel as though this is more accessible to people nowadays like and it's also it's more common just with like the access to social media and whatnot like we see younger people traveling like at this time this was like early kind of Facebook era uh, era I think like or even like Instagram might have taken off but it was like somewhat glamorized like it was not common none of my friends were doing this so I decided to go away traveling and that kind of kick-started everything for me and Then I came and that kind of changed things where I started to travel a lot on my own, start to realize how resilient I am. You learn a lot about yourself, right? When you put yourself in that type of situation, oftentimes like highs are highs and lows are lows. Like you're very in your feels because everything just feels more intense because you're not in your comfort zone. You're not with your people, right? So you're pushing a lot of edges. You're pushing like that comfort layer of like what you're, what you're okay with doing. So When I came back, I had a big shift in perspective with my last year of university. I was like, I don't care that I'm studying at home. I am going to immerse myself as much in university as possible for my last year. So I started to like, um, I did an internship on like the student council and I started to like get in all these programs, which is so funny doing this, like your final year of university when I literally just used to like go to class and leave campus all the time. Like for That's all the I years did. prior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I started to do that. And, I, and once I was kind of wrapping university up, I didn't even attend my graduation. I booked a flight and met my partner at the time. And I would have met him in Dubai. So he was working over in Dubai. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go away for about nine months. And I at that time, like I had already been away for about nine, 10 months during my exchange. And so I came home and then I was like, hey, parents, I'm going away for 
nine months. I take out a loan. I obviously have no money. I'm paying my own way through school. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, they're like, okay, cool. And that really extended that I traveled Southeast Asia. I lived in the Middle East for a bit. I lived in Australia for a year. And before I continue with this, something that I just want to kind of preface is that traveling was very much a part of my own personally personal journey. However, a lot of what I teach, I just wanted to say, you don't need to like travel to go find yourself. I think that's something that people think like they need to run away from where they're at. A lot of people are more likely to like do this work that Taylor and I are speaking about pretty much diving into self-development when you're trying to get away from pain, right? That's like easier and more desirable to do that versus just like trying to create a life of what you desire and you're obsessed with. So I just want to preface that, that I, it's not like I, I went away overseas and I found myself. It was more so like a lot of trial and error and like going against the grain and seeing what I was capable of and my level of resiliency. But upon being in Australia for you, so for those of you that don't know, I'm Canadian, similar to Taylor. And you get We're in the you, same province. Yeah, girl. And <laughs> Which uh, is so rare. We were I so know. excited when we found that out. It's so funny. <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know, when you go t- to live and work over in Australia as a Canadian, you get a year working visa and you have to do additional work to get a second year visa. visa. But anyways, for that first year visa, during that time, I was there for about 10 months, again, with my partner still. And... He ultimately got a job back in California, and because he was a teacher, he needed to leave by the the school year, right? And at that time, I still had two months left on my visa, and I just kind of like sat him down at one point in our apartment in Melbourne, and I was just like, I'm going to hang back for the, and finish the last two months of my visa. And although he was like supportive, he was also obviously taken back because he's like, well, what are you talking about? Like, you don't know anyone. What are you going to do for two months? And I'm just like, I'm just going to travel the coast and see what I can get up to. <laughs> and that was really the the point of me like taking off in regards to like seeing what I could do. And I had a lot of low moments. Like I can picture so many times that I was crying on my own and I was just like trying to hide in the hostel and the bunk beds and <laughs> all of these different things. But upon finishing up my visa and going back to meet him, I... I was different and I was, I was different in ways that I didn't even know. And I think he probably actually noticed it before I did because I then eventually came home fast forward two years later. I was supposed to be gone for nine months, remember? And I stayed away for two years. My parents were going to kill me. And then I, uh, and then I ended my relationship and it was out of nowhere for him, for my friends, kind of for myself. And I moved back in with my parents. I was broke as fuck, like so broke. And all of my friends were starting to get engaged. Just to like note my age at this time, I would have been 26. Mm-hmm. And I know people that are listening to this are younger, that age or older. And maybe you're in your late thirties and you've recently split from a partner or you've changed a job or you've lost someone in your life and you feel like you're starting over. So that, that feeling is very relatable regardless of what age you're at. And I know as human beings, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Like the older we get, the more we restart. It's like, there's more shame with that, but I'm here to tell you that there isn't, there's a lot of beauty that comes from a lot of pain and like 
cleaning your slate and trying something new as hurtful and challenging and difficult and confusing as it is during that time, know when those types of things happen and you make those courageous decisions for yourself that there's nothing but prosperity on the other side, but there's some serious growing pains in between. So I was in some serious growing pains at that time in my life. I was very lost and I slowly just started to put the pieces back together. You know, I I worked a ton of different jobs. I worked my ass off to get myself out of debt. I moved to the city, which to me was Toronto. I had met my partner and funny enough, like anything, like you always attract people when you're not looking for it. Like I wanted to be single. I didn't want to be with anyone. And I, I met him and I took it extremely slow. I went off traveling again and he hung around. He was like, this chick, she's super- This is your pattern. I'm like, oh my God. Me, I gotta go travel. Yeah. And then I, uh, I worked in a nightclub as you do, because mm-hmm. it was great money, shitty environment, but great money. Actually, to be honest, I don't want to say that. This particular nightclub that I worked at wasn't a shitting environment, but it was like, you're up till three. It's an unrealistic yeah. lifestyle. And I saved up like $5,000 cash. And I put myself through my own yoga, not my own, I attended a yoga teaching certification and in very cliche ways. Like I feel like that kickstarts a lot of people in our, in my role (laughs) are just like, oh my God, there's so many layers I've peeled off. And this particular training was so emotionally focused. Like I think there was a total of of four or five women that left before day five because they're just like fuck this like this is way too intense like it was two weeks intensive from like 6 a.m to midnight every day and everything was so regimented and you never had alone time it was it was really like a vortex of just peeling back the layers and becoming a raw onion to be honest and then we want to fast forward through a lot of things that led me to like becoming a certified life coach and certified in nlp and eft because I wanted to start helping women with what I felt like I needed, what I wanted to learn and what would have been very supportive for me for someone that's like a super eager beaver, like overachiever, wanting to learn, but like really hard on myself and overthinker and super empathic. So I'm just so sensitive. (laughs) And there's just like things that I wish that I learned and resources that I had. So that's kind of where my, my podcast and my business all kind of blossomed from. It wasn't necessarily like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, you know, like I want to do this. Like it was just, that's kind of how it came to suit. So here we are in 2024 and still you know, seeing what works and what doesn't work, but that's a lot of where my passion came from. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. I'm going to just hit you with basically quotes, I guess, or things that I have pulled from your social media that mm-hmm. I need you to expand on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so <laughs> your only true job in this life is to understand yourself, not to be understood by others. What do you mean by that? Okay. I love it. What do you mean by it? (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I've never had anyone do this. Um, Your only, yes, your only job in life is truly to understand yourself. And I think the problem is from a very, very young age, we are programmed to 
constantly try to explain ourselves, to make sense of ourselves, for people to understand what we mean, why we behave the way we do, why we dress the way we do, why we act the way we do, right? So the more you spend time explaining yourself, the less you're actually expressing who you are through your authentic, your authentic being. So I just think that there is a there is a glitch. There is a glitch in our programming and conditioning as human beings that we are so focused and by second nature, we just like give up our power to other people to determine if we're, if we're validated, if we should feel confident, if we should feel worthy, if we're funny, if we're smart, if we're beautiful, we give that up to other people. We're looking for that reassurance constantly. And although to a degree, validation is absolutely okay. It's okay to love a compliment. It's absolutely okay to enjoy My that. love language is words of affirmation. Yeah. So I love being affirmed. <laughs> absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we obviously have a part of us that's an ego, right? Like it's there for a reason. But what has happened is like oftentimes our ego overshadows and overtakes everything else. So that makes us constantly look to our external reality to validate our internal world. And the more you do that, the stronger that pattern will become and the more power you will give up. And you'll notice that you'll start playing very, very small because you don't feel like you can keep up with the expectations that are put on you, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense of that quote? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many of these, so I can't wait. Healing requires discipline and surrender. I could not agree more. Yes. And I want to hear all your thoughts on that. Because, you know, people always ask me, where do you find the motivation or how do you stay motivated to, you know, put your health first or eat a certain way or go to the gym? And I'm always like, it's not motivation. Like motivation comes and goes. It's discipline. And it's discipline that you cultivate. Yeah. F- yeah, honestly, fuck motivation. I would love if I had motivation. All I time. would love if I have, like, I, I love what I do. Like, there is, I love it more than anything in the whole world. Like, I don't have, like, like I don't know. I don't know if I love it more than my cats. I love my cats a lot. But <laughs> it's honestly, I love it just as much as I love my partner. Like, they're on par. Like my practice and my partner, I just love it more than anything in the whole world. And I'm so passionate about it. And I am not motivated every single day to do the work. I'm not. And that was like a real big mind fuck in the beginning, you know, because I was like, oh, this must make me like a bad nutritionist or like a bad entrepreneur because like I should just be able to show up every day. I love what I do. What's wrong with me? And then I realized like, no, actually motivation just does. It comes and goes. It's the way that it is. And so I love the surrender piece too, because it's not just about the discipline. Like it's about the surrender as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. I completely agree. And I think we start to question ourselves when we think things don't come always easy to us. It's really interesting, particularly in this space, this whole two-sided coin with like masculine and feminine energy for people that are like aware of that and kind of what that entails. Like your masculine being like your go, 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 like action taking. And then your feminine being like in flow, allowing things to come easily to you, attracting things to you. And I think because they're like not how everything always is. It's like 
there's always a messaging that is so like extremist to a degree where it's like, if no, we're no longer doing our masculine ladies, we're very in feminine, we're very in flow. <laughs> and if you're not in flow and then like, it's not it, it, then you're not doing it right. And again, that in itself, I think there is a time for a bit of hustle and grind. If you're building a business, let's just use that as an example. There is a time for that. And I think it's like naive for people to assume that there's not. And when you are in that, you're not going to be motivated all the time. Yes, you're going to feel doses of hunger, particularly at the beginning, because it's exciting. And naturally, human beings, we love to learn. Like whether you liked school or not, if you're actually immersed in something that you really enjoy, like we love to learn. Our brains love to learn something new. It's very like addictive to us. But I think some people think like, oh, this should be coming so naturally and easily and I should always want to be doing this. And then they start to question themselves. But back to your back to your original question is firstly, wait, okay, it's the surrender piece. And what was the other part that I so said? So healing requires two things. Yes, discipline, discipline and surrender. Okay, yes. Yeah. So surrender, like anything, you need to detach yourself in a way that you need to have trust in who you are, what you're doing, the ability for your life to unfold in a way that is for you and not to you. I know when you are brought to your knees, whether that's through grief, through heartbreak, through mental illness, through just shitty, shitty circumstances, it is like, how the hell is this happening for me? (laughs) Like, it's really hard to understand that. But how many times and how many examples can you look back in your life and you're just like, thank God that happened. I am a stronger person for it. And it was there were so many times that I doubted myself, doubted the process, doubted my ability to get on the other side. But you're all it's always just a journey of stepping into your future self. And it's it's something that's so funny that I, I literally wrote in a TikTok today. And this whole concept of like, not, you're not lost. You are in this place where you are grieving your old self, but you haven't quite fully stepped into your future self. So you're in this area of limbo and in this like gray space that's super uncomfortable and sticky and uncertain. But it's like, our, how can you embrace that? How can you embrace the unknown? And that's really challenging, right? Because naturally, as human beings, we want to control everything. Mm-hmm. So... The other piece is obviously kind of what we already spoke to, like you cannot rely on motivation. And if you are really wanting to do the work and depending on where you are at, like depending where you're at on your journey, what you're going through, what you're currently experiencing. But when it comes down to it, like you need to prioritize you above everything else because in the, I don't want to say in the end, but after that, after you've been able to work through some things, after you've been able to release some things, after you're in a place where you have a regulated calm nervous system and you are feeding your mind with positive, helpful, supportive data and you're feeling good, don't get me wrong, you're gonna have off days. We're supposed to feel the whole spectrum of emotions. That doesn't mean you're not gonna have a bad day. That doesn't mean you're not gonna have a day that you don't cry over absolutely anything. Like that is okay. But when you are feeling actually at home in your body and you're feeling safe, in your mind, then you will be in a place where that will ripple out into all other areas of your life. Like, you know, like your relationships, whether that be with your partner, whether that be with your family, how you show up at work in like 
how you prioritize yourself. If, if you believe you deserve to go to the gym three, four times a week, you're going to be doing that because you're like, I know that's what I deserve. But prior to doing all that and prior to feeling that way, it does require more discipline when doing some of this work, like it, in all transparency and just being super honest, like it doesn't just come to you and some of it's really ugly and some of it's like really hard and can sometimes at in ways feel quite isolating because not everybody's going to be on the same journey with you or even if they are, they might be in a different place than you are. So it's a little bit difficult when you feel like you're doing it on your own. So that's where the discipline comes into play and that's also why you need to detach. Mm-hmm. That is, I think that's the... I don't want to say single most important gift I got from my teacher training for my yoga teacher training because there were so many gifts, but I think really understanding detachment, you know, like, and just the, the yoga philosophy and the setting of the sutras and just really, I don't know, something about that. I didn't do it at, as an intensive. Um, I did it spread over six months. So it was like every single weekend, basically, except little breaks here and there over the holidays. Mm -hmm. And then of course your 50 hours in between then where you have to go to classes and and stuff like that. And so it was like this six month immersion into like a religion in a way, you know, like I'm, I'm not aligned with any religion. I grew up, my parents are, and I grew up going to church and stuff and distanced away from that as I got got older. And then yoga kind of became like my religion for a while. I'm I'm very spiritual and I align with like many different things, but that's really how I saw my yoga teacher training. It was just like diving into like the yoga sutras and really just kind of like embodying myself in like the yogic way of life. And that is when I truly embodied this idea of detachment. It doesn't mean that I'm detached to everything. Like I still have my moments where I'm like, oh, this is taking too long. Like, why aren't I over there? I want to be over there. Like blah, 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 you know, but it's, um, and I think that's perfectly normal. I don't know if anybody except maybe monks <laughs> walk around like completely so detached. detached. How nice you would know? that be? Yeah, we live in a material world, you know, like we live, <laughs> that's not possible. But when I read this, like anytime I see anything, I think about obviously like myself and where I am currently. And then I always think about like my clients and my, it's like the two filters, everything goes through. It's like me, <laughs> like my clients in my program, and then maybe my family yeah. sometimes, depending on what they're going through. And so the healing requires discipline and surrender part. I was thinking, I think about, you know, when somebody signs up for a program, um, And they're so excited because they've taken that first step and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this like, you know, four month program to like break up with my anxiety or like join your program. You're so excited in that initial week, you know, you're like reading the materials and then you get into it and it gets hard. Yeah. And then the motivation goes away Mm -hmm. and then you start to question the decision Cause you're like, Oh, well, if I'm not motivated anymore, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's where the discipline kicks in. Like the motivation like drives us and kind of gets us to take action. Mm -hmm. Although action is very much a decision, right. And less of a feeling or not a feeling at all. It's a decision. Like I'm going to like do this. I'm ready to do this. 
And then we need to rely on discipline. Mm -hmm. And then we need to, I love the, the detachment and surrendering from the, from the process because in any healing journey, whether it's anxiety or whatever it is that you're working through, um, there are going to be ups and downs. Like it's not linear. It's never, ever, ever a straight line. No, (laughs) (laughs) it's like someone, it's like a three-year-old took a crayon and just scribbled everywhere. And it's like, that's going to be your healing journey. Yeah. Buckle up. (laughs) Buckle up. Exactly. Um, okay. So a lot of women with anxiety, Mm -hmm. they don't have a lot of trust in their decision-making process. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And often they want to know like all the answers before making a decision, which obviously Mm. isn't possible and can sometimes really hold people back. So what say you to this? Like what advice would you have to help somebody move through this where they're really struggling I guess it would be, is it confidence? Like, is it, you know, self-worth? Like what's at play here when we're like really struggling to like make a decision and we like need to know all the answers before when we can't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is obviously very, very common. So kind of at the root of my teaching through a lot of like market research, like literally talking to a bunch of women and taking women through my program when building it out, like initially back in 2021, I wanted to actually ensure that I was truly understanding what kind of what they need. Like, what is the common thread here? What is, what is like the route that is um, required to really push and accelerate people from like to step into like this confident version of themselves, right? Like that unshakable confidence. And something that I really learn and stick by like through and through is the root of confidence is self-trust. And I don't necessarily know a lot of people initially think of that, like, cause obviously people have different interpretations of what confidence really entails. Right. But when you really like break down the walls and peel back the layers, self-trust is really trusting yourself to make decisions as you just spoke to, right. Trusting yourself to fail, trusting yourself to get back up, trusting yourself to be okay if you get heartbroken, trusting yourself that you'll find another job, trusting yourself that you will figure it out if it doesn't work out and it wasn't what you thought it would be, right? But when we are giving up our power so much to other people or we're we're, we're having a really hard time with our internal struggle of like something like anxiety, something that is making again us feel really small. We we lack that trust. We don't trust ourselves to be able to make decisions because we don't know how we're going to feel. We don't know how we're going to react. We don't know how other people are going to react, right? We start to question everything around us. So something when working to, a to build your confidence is like this formula that I personally built out and that requires like I'll give you the step by step guide before kind of jumping into the second part of this question. Yes, please. <laughs> is um it's like a so first it's shift. So I take clients through like truly shifting their perspective and this looks like outlining where they literally spend their time, money and energy like every single day. Like pl- blowing their life up in a blueprint to really take a look at what they're doing with their life, right? Next yeah. is Getting it down on paper is so powerful. And I say that to my clients all the time where they're like, you know, I'm doing all the things and nothing's Mm -hmm. working. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, amazing. List out what you're doing. Yeah. They're like, 
what? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, write it down. I want to see. Like, not because I'm like going to go nitpick, but I, like when we put things down on paper and we have the data in front of us, it is mm-hmm. so much more clear. Yeah. I'm ta- I'm like, I'm talking like 15 minutes watching a show and scrolling Instagram. Like that's not for me or yourself to judge that, but oh, I want- Yeah. I'm talking like when we want to actually outline where you're spending, again, your time, money, and energy, like we need to outline like what you're currently doing right now. Because- And those are your three currencies. It's not just money. Time and energy is just as potent of a currency, which many people don't think about that. They only think about money. Yeah. And in all honesty, I personally- feel like we live in a very toxic world in many different ways now versus back in the day. In the modern world. The modern the joys world. of the modern world. It's amazing in a so lot of amazing. ways. But it also, it's just like we are moving at such an accelerated rate. People do not realize like we as human beings through evolution, evolution we're not equipped to actually deal with what we are given at this current day. And it's just going to move forward and it's going to like be more difficult for the younger generations. There is a reason why we're going through like a mental health epidemic right now. Like there's a reason. Um, It's not only just because we're more vocal about it now and it's more normalized. Yes, that is true. More people Mm -hmm. are open about it, but there is also a reason. We have access to everyone in the world through a phone every single day. And there's just a lot of tweaks that could be made to your lifestyle that Some people require more than others. And that's just like facts. And that is okay based on your genetic makeup, based on your current circumstances, based on your own inner traumas and challenges that you've been to. Like it could be a number of things, right? So there's some edits. There's some edits that need to be done in the the upfront. Um, Kind of the second phase is rewiring. So sorry, no, the second phase is releasing, my bad. Um, And that is like, once we kind of outline what's going on in your life, it's like truly releasing what is no longer serving you. This is where I would introduce like NLP for those of you that don't know, that's like neuro-linguistic programming, going into the subconscious, limiting beliefs, just like junk and shit that you are bombarding yourself with that really no longer serve you because it's when you are trying to, for example, like you want to listen to affirmations, you want all this positive thinking and that that's amazing. And you want to meditate and do all the things like that's great. And it's a side note. It's really important for you to actually understand what works and what doesn't work for you. It's not, it's not really helpful to try and do all the things that's going to overload you. <laughs> yeah. And this, these are two <laughs> yoga teachers sitting yeah. here telling you that meditation doesn't work for everyone. Okay. No, like, and, yes. I will be the first one to say that. In fact, I say that all the time and it confuses people because they're I'm like, like aren't you a yoga okay. teacher? Yes, I know. I completely agree. And I could like go on a tangent about that um, <laughs> because it's really interesting being in this space. Like I also see flaws within the self-development space that I feel like I oh, want to I be. I mean, it's everywhere. It's yeah. in the medical community. It's with yeah. our, in the nutrition community. It's in the yeah. yoga community. Like any anyone that stands to make money yes. <laughs> off of anything. I know. Shit goes down. I know. You shit know? goes down for sure. <laughs> so um, it's amazing. You want to add all those positive things and modalities and techniques into your life. But like, man, you got to create space for that. Because if you're just like adding that on, probably very similar, Taylor, you could probably speak to this with your clients. Like you could just add on healthy eating. But if there's like a gut underneath it all that has like, that has serious issues and needs like treating and support, 
Like you're only going to get so far. So that's like a big part of the second portion of kind of my method is like releasing. The next is rewiring. We get to do all that fun stuff. We get to implement things that are really supportive. You get to rewire your subconscious mind. Like, and there's very cool ways to do that. And there's a lot of science behind that and how you can actually rewire your thoughts to better support you through practice and repetition. We have our ability to do that. Like we only use like 10% really of our conscious mind and our subconscious mind is ultimately like a filing cabinet of every single belief, experience, situation, everything is stored in there, whether you realize it, obviously, or not. Mm-hmm. And then neural pathways are created, aka like thoughts are created. And the more you think those thoughts, the stronger the neural pathways become. We have like 65,000 thoughts a day, right? And I believe about 89% of those are on repeat every day. So like it takes some serious work to go in and break those thoughts. Like this doesn't happen overnight, but there's a way to do that. So that's kind of the third step. Next, we get to be in our receiving energy. I teach people oh, how to do that. So hard. <laughs> I'm working on that. Receive. Receiving? I'm working on receiving. Well, okay. I'm on the other side of working. I'm almost like I, I've been doing good work on yeah, working on receiving. What have but, you been doing? Um... The first thing I started doing was very, very simple. And I just worked on literally when someone complimented or said mm. something nice to me, mm-hmm. I was just like, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, or I would agree with them or something. And that was, it's super simple, but it's actually incredibly, you don't realize how much we default to just being like, if someone's like, oh, your hair looks really nice today. It's like, oh yeah, it must just be because I washed it. And normally it's just really gross and ugly. So... <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, instead of just good. being like, thank you. you know? Thank you. I know. And is it I something that I've noticed actually not long, cause you know, even being in this space, like there's constantly like new learnings, unlearnings, like just deeper, deeper levels that I'm going to going through. And I'm sure same with yourself is that understanding that I through all this, like I don't know, kind of building to where I am today, I started to realize kind of in 2023 that I was really like loving myself from a conditional standpoint versus unconditionally, meaning through sort of not certifications, maybe like accomplishments that I was the more I was doing, right, the more things I was checking off, like that is when I was really proud of myself. So being receiving is like teaching yourself that you're like a whole and complete on your own. And what makes you that way is being a good person, connecting to other people, loving people, allowing yourself to be loved, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're doing with your career. Although fulfillment and progress is very important and very vital to human beings, happiness and making them thrive. But understanding at at the, the foundation of all of that is truly just knowing that you're your own self-worth because you're here as a human, right? Mm -hmm. So that's receiving. And the last, the last step of the formula is being in alignment. It's really important to set yourself up for success after going through kind of, again, like this crazy vortex of all these learnings and unlearnings, and then really living in alignment from here on out moving forward. So that's kind of the the place that I, the formula that I take people through to understand the root of all of all of confidence and what that means, you showing up in every which way of your life is self-trust and how that's a ripple effect into 
everything that I already outlined, like your relationships and your career and your decision-making. And another thing, going back to your original question, I know when you were talking about women particularly not feeling confident in making their decisions when they're experiencing heavy anxiety, which I know is something obviously that you focus on in your work, is something that I have taught other people that is very helpful is A, one thing is your self-trust needs to be in alignment with like your intuition. And when things get muddled because we're in also such a stimulated world now, it's sometimes difficult to identify whether it's like your anxiety and your nerves or your intuition because they can feel kind of similar. It's like a nudge. Your stomach can go in nuts. You're nervous. You're excited. Sometimes you're really nervous. You're like, I don't know what's going on. But an, a, some, a way that you can do this and you can start implementing it literally right after you hear this because you're making multiple decisions a day, start to ask yourself, does, if I make this decision or use the example of like choosing to cancel plans. Okay. You want to cancel plans. If I make this decision, will this feel lighter or will this feel easier? If it just feels easier, it's probably your anxiety and your nerves because your anxiety loves to thrive in boredom. It loves to keep you isolated. It wants to keep you from socializing with people. It wants to keep you safe, right? Like your, your subconscious mind wants to keep you safe. It wants to take the path of least resistance. But the problem is the more you feel that, the stronger that will become, right? So it's how, how can you let yourself know that you're safe when making these decisions? And that's through taking action. So if it feels lighter, right? You're like, I'm canceling these plans because I'm overloaded and I have something else I need to prioritize. It feels lighter. Like it literally feels like a weight off your shoulders, even though it might've been a difficult conversation. That is your intuition. Be like, Hey bitch, not today. We're not going to be doing this. Um, you're overloaded and you're like, you're on the verge of burnout. And this will take time to strengthen, but it's a really simple way to just start practicing with every little decision you're having to make throughout the day. That's a way to like strengthen your intuitive guide and also come back to start building your self-trust to know that you are capable of decisions. You don't need to ask everybody else what you should be wearing, what you should do, like who you should ask. Like You are capable of making those decisions on your own. I love that. I've never heard that. So I'm so excited to have learned a new tool, like the lighter versus easier. That's amazing. I'm totally going to use that. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, So great. Okay. I had a question on the tip of my tongue and now I forgot it, but that's fine because let me go back to my list. (laughs) And then I'm sure it'll come back to me and I'll, I'll circle back. Yeah. What is the parking lot method? Oh, the parking lot method. This is, <laughs> this is good. Um, so essentially, this is usually I, I find if you're like predominantly like in a romantic relationship, someone that you're that you're close with, that you're like usually in the same vicinity um, quite often. So the parking lot method is when what we want to learn to do is start to react like rationally versus irrationally. So when we react while being in like a heated state, like a heated negative emotional state, oftentimes we then react in a way that we aren't necessarily proud of. Like, you know, when you're so angry and you like freaking lose it on somebody and then you walk away, you have time to reflect and you're like, 
I'm slightly embarrassed. That wasn't cool. Damn. I, I wish that I was a bit calmer and I wish I handled that differently. Then you feel shame. Then you feel guilt. Then maybe you're irritated because then your partner's mad at you, right? Like it comes out sideways and then it just becomes like cyclical. Like you start to that, then you feel resentment and then you try to make up for it. So then you start to be overly nice and all these things, it can come out in really different patterns. So the, the way to break that, it's really challenging. Um, I've done it many times. It's, it gets me easier. too. It, me it too. Gets easier. I'm, I think it might surprise people to know that I can be like very reactive um, in my relationship, yeah. like in my romantic relationship, mm-hmm. in other areas, a little bit still with my family, but that's my family's thing. Like when my partner actually started hanging out with our family and like, okay, he's in it, you know, we've been together for seven years. Like he's part of the family now and he sees us fight. He's like, holy shit. <laughs> that's so funny. It's actually the same with mine. Yeah. <laughs> and like his family's not like that. His family's like, let's sweep everything under the rug and like, everything's fine. We're just going to pretend everything's fine. And my family's like, Rah! let's talk about every inappropriate topic <laughs> at the table and just get so fired up. So funny. I know exactly what you're talking oh, about. Oh, literally. literally. It's literally the same dynamic. Like my partner, when he first came to a family dinner, it got so heated. We were talking, I don't know if we were talking about politics, something super, what he would deem as inappropriate. And yeah. He went to bed. We were going to bed and I was brushing my teeth. He's like, is everything okay? Like, what's it going to be like in the morning? I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, we're fine. I'm like, I was like, yeah, everyone's super chippy and chirpy in the morning. Like, hey, how's it going? Do you want a coffee? And he's just like, I thought that was World War Three happening at dinner last night, but it's okay. Oh my God. That (laughs) happened when he came the first weekend away with us. We went to Trampa and we got like, I like I was yelling at my sister. It was like this whole thing. And like the next morning he was so quiet and I was like, what's wrong with you? And he was like, what's wrong with me? (laughs) He was like, shit went down yesterday and yeah. I'm like dude everything's fine yeah. <laughs> what are you so talking about funny. so like that was very much like what was modeled to me like and so I'm unlearning that right now plus like triggers you know like little t traumas like in from past relationships that will like trigger something in me like he'll say something and it, I'll be like oh, like that triggered mm-hmm. something from elsewhere right yeah. Um, and I can always catch it afterwards. Like literally the second it happens, it's like I'm floating out of my body. It's like right afterwards. I don't need much time. And then I'm like, oh, sorry. You know, like this is why I reacted like that. And I am getting much better at like catching myself, catching myself. But this is something that I'm actively working on, which I think would surprise a lot of people, you know, like, I don't know, whatever, maybe what they hear on my podcast or see me on social media and think like, I'm just like this super calm Zen person, which like I am a lot of the time, but I can be like very reactive and like easily triggered in my romantic relationship. And I'm really working on that. We're all so vulnerable share. <laughs> yeah. Love it. We're all a work in progress. I yes. try, I also try my best to be very honest. I, I like to show up in real time with what I'm currently experiencing, but also appreciating and acknowledging the space that I have, that I have people listening to my podcast every week. I try to do it from a place like after I've learned the lesson as best I can. So it's not like a venting diary because that's really not where I want to come from. Or like an open wound kind of thing. Yeah. Like even if it's just been a week and I've processed it because I'm – 
I've been in therapy since 2011. So I've been in therapy for a long time. And even my therapist, sometimes after a session, I'll just talk, talk, talk and work my way through it. And she'll be like, I don't really know why I'm here, but, uh, (laughs) you know, sometimes she's like, you're such a pro. And other times I'm like, help me, you know? So (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Um, so back to the parking lot method. Yes. Ultimately, it's kind of what probably those tuning in like would assume. So instead of repeating that cycle, right, of coming from a place of irrational emotion is as strong as it might be and as right as you might be like, and I'm not saying that you're not. And I know we really want to like stick our feet in the mud and just be like, no, we're going to die on this hill. But when you start to kind of get that under control because you're disciplined and you're working through like intentionally changing that pattern, the parking lot method is acknowledging that you're both upset about the situation. You both very much have something to share about it, right? You have a perspective you want to share and how you're feeling you want to share, but you come to it three days later. Say this will hundred percent be talked about, but it will be talked about in three days. And until then, we will go about our normal life, like not ignoring each other. Maybe you're not cute and being romantic, but you're, you're just like going about your regular life, like you're being kind. Um, so that's kind of the parking lot method and it's very effective, but hard. I love that. Yeah, that is. And you know what? My partner would really appreciate that because he likes to take space. Okay. Um, I will say we really don't argue that much. Like we really don't like he's, he's quite wonderful. (laughs) Um, But when we do, I'm like, we need to talk about this. I mean, figure it out right now. Even if I'm like he did and he's like, I need space, you know? And yeah, I'm like, I really like to talk things out then. You're anxiously attached like me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, yes, I think I am. I've actually never like, um, I've never really worked Taken. through like, my attachments or like if okay. it's a test or something, but there's I, a quiz. Know, yeah. Online. I think, yeah. I figured there would be a quiz, but I think I've always been anxiously attached. <laughs> yeah. And he's like avoidant. I actually retook the quiz not long ago and I ended up being like good, like whatever the neutral good one is. And I was just Damn. like, wow, like this is a huge testament to the work that I've been doing because, you know, years ago it was just like hella anxiously attached and then for a while I was very avoidant (laughs) and it's also normal to kind of like swing and stuff like that but um okay let's wrap it up with this and I know it's going to be like impossible to pick five things but (laughs) putting you on the spot here yeah um literally when we jumped on the call in our preamble um I was just like, yeah, I just have like things I'm going to fire at you. <laughs> and you were like, okay, let's do it. Um, okay. So yeah. what I'm hearing and mm. from this amazing conversation is that self-trust really seems to be at like the root and core of it all. Mm-hmm. So that's a very big term like oh my gosh what self-trust right so for anyone listening to this podcast who's this episode that's really resonating with this conversation and is like yes I really want to work on building self-trust what would be kind of the first three to five steps that you would say or like tips or tools or resources to just be like start here you know because keeping in mind that a lot of the 
folks listening to this podcast do have anxiety and sometimes we get mm-hmm. action paralysis <laughs> when yeah. there's a lot of different things that can be done. Um, so if you could, you know, just narrow it down for just a few steps to get people started on their journey to building greater self-trust. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say firstly, identifying what exactly are you wanting to work towards? Like, I understand obviously people that are listening are, are struggling maybe with anxiety or they have, or it's something that's maybe in another life, whatever it may be. But it could be other things too. Like they want a career change, you know, and they want that dream job or like anything. I mean, anxiety is just one part of people's lives. (laughs) A hundred percent. Oh, it feels like the whole thing sometimes. (laughs) A hundred percent. So with that being said, funny enough, because what I was going to say is like, regardless of that, Mm -hmm. figure out what it is you're wanting to work towards, like outside of that. Like I'm sure obviously like recovery and healing is like a big part of your life and what you're working towards, whether they're working with you, Taylor, or tuning in regularly. But I'm talking like whether it's like, yeah, career change, as you noted, or you're wanting to build a side hustle or you're wanting to mend certain relationships. You want to go on a trip. You want whatever it is that you're wanting to work towards. I want you to choose three things per day, three action items. Okay. Because something that I think overwhelms us and can put us into that paralysis is like having an endless to do this to do list that we're continuously checking off. And it's funny because I literally just put out a podcast episode that I'm I'm done living my life like a to do list. I recommend you go listen because I have been notorious. Oh, I will. That. I love your podcast. <laughs> so, I will link it in the show notes, and everybody can go listen. <laughs> so, choose three things that you want to action per day that are actually going to move the needle forward. Okay. We as human beings, Tony Robbins speaks about this very often is like, Mm -hmm. we feel fulfillment through progress. Okay. So that is why oftentimes when we get to the end result, we get the award, we get the accomplishment, we get what we want. It's maybe sometimes it's a letdown or the high of it wears off very quickly. It is about the progress as much as we don't want to hear that. So What is it? Three things that can actually move the needle forward. Okay. The way you find clarity is through taking action. The antidote to fear is taking action, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't want to overload your nervous system with being like, I'm doing all the things. Like even in your recovery journey of, of like overcoming anxiety, it's like you, you don't want to be doing all the things. Like we want to simplify. We want to take clear, simple steps. And then foundationally we build on that as you progress forward. So that is like one thing that I want you to kind of outline in your day and then to build on that. The way that you are going to start building self-trust is not breaking promises to yourself, like through Mm -hmm. and through whatever that is, whether that's like you going to the gym saying you're going to meal prep, saying that you want to do something fun, like you you want to take a pottery class once a week, that you want to meet up with a girlfriend once a week, that you want to schedule a date night once a week, like whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. But the more you say out loud, for example, it's like, I'm, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow at 7 a.m. 
the more you can say it out loud, you can put it in your agenda, you can put a reminder in your calendar on, on Google, but the more you do that and the more you don't show up for yourself, the more you are literally like strengthening that neural pathway that we spoke about earlier, right? Like that limiting belief, that thought that's on repeat, the stronger, you want to think of it almost like a link in a chain, like the stronger and the thicker the link in the chain is getting, the more you don't show up for yourself and you say you want to do something. So you're literally telling your subconscious mind, like I'm saying this out loud, but like we don't actually do those things. Mm -hmm. So the more you do that, every single time you do that, you are breaking trust with yourself. Mm-hmm. So think about how often you do that every single day. And then the more, the I'm more on the track because that's what I tell people. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're the expert in here. And then literally like when people ask that, I'm like, keep, start keeping promises to yourself. Yeah. And start small. And start you, small. I, I love that you layered it on top of the one to three things a day that yeah. you can actually do that will move. It's not like, okay, on Monday, I'm going to remove gluten. I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. I'm going to go to bed every single night. I'm going to meditate before bed every single night. I'm going to get off my electronics. At, it's no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> right away. You're like setting yourself up for, you can't do all that. You can't yeah. like, I, nobody can just flip nobody. Like I just think, don't think any human can just decide to change seven things in their life the next day. I just don't even think that's possible. I don't know that for sure, but I'm going to go out and say that I'm 99.9% sure that's not possible. (laughs) Exactly. And like, once you start to do that, it will be a foundational, like natural process to build on each other. And the way you truly will blossom and grow and prosper and like accelerate your growth in any area that you're working on in building your confidence and strengthening your self-trust is creating a structured environment that allows you to do so. But that doesn't mean going from like zero to a hundred, right? It's like slowly proving to yourself, not to anybody else, not your partner, not your mom, not your family, not your friends, proving to yourself that you will literally keep the promises and do what you're going to, you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So. You know what? One of my really good friends, I used to think this was so weird of him, but now I get it. He would never tell anybody his goals. Like his, he would never tell anybody because he was just like, I just want to work on this myself. And then he would tell us like when he was there or almost there. Mm. And he would do really weird things. Like, well, it wasn't really that weird, but he would be somewhere else, like in another country. It would be like, and you'd figure out he was there and you'd be like, what are you doing? Right. He's like, oh, I'm like trying to move here. And it's like, what? You know, it was just like weird things like that. Well, I just need to stop saying weird. It wasn't weird. It was just most people do like kind of splash their goals everywhere. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like I'm like that, but he always kept them like really close to his chest. And, you know, we talked about it one day and he was just like, I don't have anything to prove to anybody, you know, like I'm just like doing this for me. And then like, when I get there, I'll share. And everything you were saying just now, it just made me think of him in my head. And I'm like, Oh, maybe that's what he was doing this whole time. That's really You know, just like keeping promises to himself and doing, having nothing to prove to anybody else, but just himself. Yeah. That's really beautiful. (laughs) I love that. I'm going to message him after this and be like, I learned something. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. I love that. Okay. We stopping there with those three. Cause I think I would say, yeah, we're keeping it. 
digestible, right? Like okay, I don't want to like overload that. you because I feel like those are something that you can truly implement yes. into your life. Like right now, host listening to this, that will truly support you in building your self-confidence. And once you are there, once you start doing these things, then of course there's the additional steps of like investing in yourself, implementing boundaries, like boundaries and boundaries are not to actually distance and create a gap between you and other people. I feel as though they get a bad rep for that. Mm -hmm. Boundaries are truly to help you and support you stay disciplined in ways that like, you know, that you, you need and that support and, and change is good until you need routine and routine is good until you need change. But right now during this particular time, like something like a very structured environment would be very supportive for you. So then you can live in different seasons, seasons of chaos, seasons of slow seasons of being a student, seasons of like growth and prosperity, whatever it may be. But in the up initial, (laughs) yeah, in the up initial, like in the, in front initial steps of this in building your self-trust, if you're just like, I don't know where to start, start with what I just explained. And then the building blocks will be maybe working with someone, working with a therapist, working with a coach, maybe joining a program of some sort, like getting yourself in the place and space of other leaders and like-minded people because you are who you are in close proximity to. So, but that comes a little, a little bit down the road, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I have more things on my fire at you list, but maybe we'll just have to bring you back on for another one. Sounds good. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was great as I knew it would be. Um, mm-hmm. I'm predominantly on Instagram at Brianne Burke, super simple. It is my first and last name. My podcast is The Goal, G O A L guide uh no digger guide the gold yeah. digger guide um yeah Love if you, we don't remember the names to our I own know, things i know <laughs> i and, did that the other day <laughs> yeah um, uh if you like kind of what you hear today it's like all around self-development and different tangible digestible techniques and things that you can actually implement into your life in real time and those are pretty much the two main spots thank you we will link all those up in the show notes and talk to you later And that is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask you before you go. If you love today's episode, I would so appreciate if you left a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to right now. My goal with this podcast is to reach as many people as possible to spread awareness that anxiety is not this incurable disease It's not something we just have to live with. It's definitely not just part of your personality. And there are body-based imbalances that need to be addressed in order to truly be free from chronic anxiety. With awareness comes action. And the more people this podcast can reach, the less people will struggle with anxiety. And positive reviews are the number one way to help new people discover the show. You are the best. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so, so, so much. One last thing. My legal medical disclaimer. 
The Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast with me, Taylor Jandro, is for general information and educational purposes only. And the advice and recommendations I give or my guests give throughout the episodes do not replace medical advice. The consumption of this podcast does not qualify as a practitioner-client relationship with me, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. Yes, I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. So please discuss any changes with your primary healthcare provider. Okay, that's it. Until the next episode, bye for now.